the advice I would give to actors is to, you know, not fall into that trap of not knowing how to do the business. You're listening to Creatives Making Money, the podcast for creatives who are on a mission to do the work they feel most called to do and make some money while they do it. This is a show for the makers, the dreamers, the doers, the creators, the artists, the crazy ones, and the ones who are determined to consciously build the life and career of their dreams. Here, we don't just believe in getting your dream job, we believe in creating it. So what does creative success even look like? How do we live a fully expressed, abundant AF life? That's precisely what we're here to find out. My mission with Creatives Making Money is to conduct 100 interviews with successful creatives and those who love and support them about money, career, and the process of making and doing what they most love, including all of the ups, downs, and in-betweens. I'm your host, Jamie Jensen, writer, storyteller, filmmaker, serial entrepreneur, and shameless creator. No matter where you are in your creative and financial journey, I'm here to help you create like you mean it. Hello and welcome to Creatives Making Money. Today, I have the incredible Kate Anthony joining me for what I'm sure is going to be an eye-opening and brain-opening interview. (laughs) Um, If you don't know Kate, Kate is a certified life coach who helps women decide if they should stay in or leave their marriages. Should I stay or should I go? Kate empowers women to find their strength, passion, and confidence, even in the most disempowering of circumstances, and helps them move forward with concrete plans set on a solid foundation, putting their children at the center, not in the middle of all decisions. In addition to her certification, Kate has also trained as a relationship coach and is an expert in communication, co-parenting, and emotional intelligence. Welcome, Kate. Thanks, Jamie. (laughs) I'm so excited to have you here today. I am very excited too. Mm, Creators making money. Yeah. So what were you going to say? What a concept. (laughs) I know, right? Um, It's funny because I'm sure as I'm reading your intro, there's like, I kind of want to explain more about you. So it's clear, like also why I have you on the show today and why I asked you to be on the show. And that is like, Kate has had a previous life as an actor. I did. (laughs) I did. I had a 30 year career as an actor. I'm not terrible. I'm not that old. I started when I was very young. (laughs) I started when I was three on Sesame Street. So I did. I had a very long 30-year career. I like to say I bookended it with five years on Sesame Street and five years on Grey's Anatomy, and I was out. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did you always know, like, prior to becoming an actor that that was something you wanted to do? Oh, yeah. I was raised by actors. I was raised by actors in New York City. So... Yeah. I mean, I came by it all so not totally naturally, much to my, my mother's chagrin. She was always like, are you sure you don't want to be a lawyer? And I was like, at what point did you ever expose me <laughs> to law? I was raised literally backstage and in theaters my entire life and on soap sets. So, you know, I didn't know anything else. Yeah. Where do you think your desire to act came from, like it being what you saw and what you knew, you know, um, because, you know, you just said your mom was like, are you sure you don't want to be a lawyer? Your parents kind of wanted something else for you. I'm getting. 
Sure. Well, it's interesting, actually. Well, you know, I think you'll probably find this very interesting and it's very relevant to this conversation, which is that my mother always said to me, um, my mother has a very disempowering money mindset, always has. And she said, she would always say to me, are you sure you want to be an actor? Look how we live. And so I was always raised with the notion that being a creative, being an actor equaled poverty, basically. Um, you know, I was the scholarship kid at my private school. Um, as soon as they pulled the scholarship, I had to get out of Dodge. My mom ended up going back to school and getting her um, master's and then her PhD and becoming a college professor so that she could, you know, be a little bit more stable. She was a single mom. Um, and so in her estimation, in her world, being an actor meant being poor. And that's why she wanted me to be a lawyer. It wasn't that she wanted stability. It wasn't that she, I mean, she literally didn't want me to be poor, um, which I was the entire time that I was an actor. <laughs> um, so I can't, I must feel like I'm veering away from your, from your original question. What was your question? Um, My yeah. question was whether you always like how, where the desire to be an actor kind of came from. Yeah. I mean, I think it was really, I think it was organic. It was literally all I ever knew. Um, and I definitely wanted to do it differently. I was like, obviously I'm going to be a star. So, <laughs> and that's, you know, in the acting world, I mean, really, I was just on the phone with a client actually, who is also an actor. And I was saying, you know, when you're an actor and you're a mom, you really have a choice, right? It's either, I mean, when you're an actor, you're basically, you have a side gig, you are independently wealthy, or you have a spouse who supports you, um, or you've made it, right? Or you're a, you know, a consistently working actor, which is very rare, right? So otherwise, you're having to hustle unless you have someone else putting the bill. So... Um, but I decided that I was clearly obviously going to be a star and I was not going to be one of the ones that struggled. So um, I did. I just, I mean, I was a dancer. I was a performer. I was a, I was a, I think I was a born performer. And that translates now that I'm, you know, I have a presence. I have a social media presence. I have, you know, I'm not afraid of being out there and being front and center and, and all of that. Um, but yeah, I was always a performer. How else do you think that shows up in your business now that you're mentioning it? You know, like how, how you were always a performer and now you're kind of like comfortable being out there and being bold and showing up in that way. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, is there any other way that you think that kind of period of your life as an actor kind of gave you skills or, you know, that there's other things that you carry over into your work and your business now? Yeah, you know, definitely. I have, there's a couple things. I mean, number one, I've always been what in, when I was a teenager and in college was always branded like an oversharer, right? Now I have a very strong social media presence where I have no problem sharing, bearing very sort of vulnerable parts of myself, right? And that works for my business because women relate to my journey. They relate to my experience. I don't just, I'm not one of those people that only shares my successes and my wins. I share when I'm really struggling, um, when I have been uh, suffering from like debilitating depression or loneliness or whatever. And so I'm, I'm, I, I do, I do share that. Um, I have a podcast so that 
is, you know, a way that my sort of acting background has translated. I mean, my training I've done, I've, I spent a few years, like three years doing corporate work where I was going and doing, you know, teaching um, at top investment banks, doing um, Fortune 500 training. And a lot of it was in, was doing voice, voice and body work, right, for their presentations. So my training as an actor really translated there. Um, the thing that's really interesting, though, is that I hate doing video. And I hate and I'm terrified of public speaking. That's sort of my next, my next thing that I have to break through because I'm really great. If you give me a script, you up, like give me a script and throw me on stage. I am like, own it. I've got this. But to stand on a stage and speak my own stuff and my own beliefs and ideas, that is like the next level of terrifying for me, which is really interesting because everyone's like, oh my God, you'd be so great on stage. I'm like, oh, I am. Oh, I am if you give me a script <laughs> and someone else's words to say. Why do you think that's like more terrifying for you than showing up on social media or even talking on a podcast like this or on your podcast? No. I mean, I think that um, there's a level of like hiding behind the screen. Right. Um, I think that's really it. Right. It's, it's the next, it's the next level of really putting myself out there on the line. I guess. It's so funny because for me, when I think about getting on a stage, I'm like, well, it just happens. And then it's like gone. And I guess there's a recording, but like, it doesn't necessarily have to live on the internet forever. Whereas like other stuff we post is there unless we delete it. (laughs) And even then someone's got a screenshot of it somewhere. (laughs) Right. Right. So interesting. But you, but you did stage acting also, right? I did. Yeah. I mean, that was my main yeah, from I started doing theater in New York when I was 11. I did my first off-Broadway show, and so I did a lot of theater. I went to college. I did my BFA in acting. I did mostly theater for, you know, a lot of television, but mostly theater too. So, yeah, absolutely. I'm curious. Um, I'm curious to know – how did you like, how did the transition from acting to having a coaching business even occur? Oh yeah. So, um, it happened in my divorce. So I was an actor and uh, I'd moved to LA, um, in 2001 and I, was acting and, you know, had day jobs and the, you know, the works. And then when I got married, uh, when I got pregnant, my husband started making more money and it was this perfect like thing, this shift transition where he, his income started steadily rising at the same time that my belly was growing. And at a certain point we realized like, oh my God, we could actually do this we can fucking do this. Like you can stay home and raise our baby. Um, And we were totally stoked. And then we're like, and then you can just act, you know, and do and go to auditions and do whatever you need to do. You know, once I, you know, I decided it was going to take three months to lose the baby weight. Ha ha. Um, (laughs) And then, um, so, but I was still, I was still acting. I started doing Grey's Anatomy when Emmett was three months old, actually. On um, one of the first episodes of Grey's that I did, you can see me in a hot pink sweater with the biggest boobs you've ever seen in your life because I needed to pump so badly, but I didn't want to be like 
you know, the guest star on set and be like, I'm sorry, we need to, we need to stop so I can pump. So I just, my boobs were so fucking huge and ready to burst. So anyway, in a hot pink sweater, but I digress. So, um, I started doing grays about that point and then I did it, I was, did it, I did it ultimately for, I think five seasons. And, um, in that time we got divorced and I was like, I can't do this life in LA. I can't be driving around to auditions. I actually have to support myself. And sort of going back to the idea that it was so inconsistent. Sure, I was on Grey's Anatomy for five years, but like, you know, ask me how much I made in, you know, when I did an episode a month or something, like it's really not, it's not enough to live on. So, um, you, so I had to make a choice. I was like, I either continue to be an actor and then also get like some kind of side gig to support myself and that to start to build or like, I'm done with this. I'm not going to get in a car and drive three hours, you know, in rush hour traffic to an audition on the West side, you know, with a three-year-old in the back seat. Like it's, it's not happening. Um, and so during that time I was like, I kind of think I'm done. Um, you know, theater was my first love. I was doing a lot of television. LA is really not the town for theater. And you can't really do theater with a kid anyway, because it's at night and, you know, doesn't really work that well. So anyway, I finally, some people kept saying to me, I was like, what should I do? What should I do? I have to get a new career. What am I going to do? And everyone kept saying to me, you should be a therapist. You'd make a great therapist. And I was like, I don't want to be a therapist. Like, that sounds awful to me. (laughs) First of all, the thing that really sounded awful, by the way, was going back to school. <laughs> I was like, oh, there's so many books. It's so hard. <laughs> and so I decided, uh, I was like, no. And then I had a friend who was a coach and she was like, I think you should be a coach. And I was like, huh, now that's interesting. And so I went to a weekend training and I loved it. And the woman who was leading the training was like, you were meant to do this. And I was like, well, I'm just here checking it out. I'm not really sure that it's what I want to do. And she was like, okay, so I've been doing this for 25 years. I'm one of the pioneers of the industry. I don't say this very often. You're meant to be doing this. And I was like, oh, okay. And so that's what I did. I finished up and then I got my certification. And then I went back to, back to school for more coach training as a relationship coach. And I just, and I just took off and I loved it. And I just loved it. And it, what I love about it is that I also get to be creative in it, right? Like I get to write, I get to design shit. Like I do all my own design because like, I love it. I get the creative outlet of it. I mean, I'm kind of over it at this point now. I'm like, all right, I can hire, I'm going to hire people, because, but I've done it all myself. And it's really been, um, as I've, as you know, as I was building, it's, it's been a great creative outlet. So but that's how it, yeah, that's how the transition happened. What has it like, what has it been like to be in business? What was that like? Kind of like the first couple of years of being like, I'm a coach, I'm in business now. I'm doing all these things. I'm figuring it out. I'm getting creative, like with design and writing. So cringy. If I look back now, I'm like, Oh my gosh, so cringy. (laughs) What's cringy? Well, like my messaging, if I think about my copy, you know, my messaging, it was so coachy. It was so like, you know, you know, are you looking for fulfillment in your life? And, you know, it's just the, the, all the usual, uh, coachy shit. So like my copy, my, um, I always had really cute websites cause my best friend's a graphic designer and she would build me these like really kick ass sites. <laughs> um, 
but uh, yeah, I just, I had cute logos because she made them for me. <laughs> um, but it was, you know, in the first couple of years, I was lucky that I had, you know, child support and I had some spousal support coming in. So I wasn't freaking out financially. Um, that came a couple years later. <laughs> um, but, you know, we didn't, we, I didn't know what I was doing from a business perspective, right? I had no business training. Um, and this is something that you and I have talked about before, which is that, you know, as an actor being raised by actors, I didn't have anyone teaching me business, I had no business sense. I had no, my mother has very good financial sense, like ridiculous. Like she's really disempowering money mindset, but she's brilliant with money. Um, you know, she's never incurred an ounce of debt in her entire life. Like she's fucking brilliant. And um, so I just, I just didn't, I didn't know how to run a business. And I, and, you know, ironically, I sort of ran my coaching business similar to the way I ran my acting business where I was like, just give me a client and I'll change their lives, right? Just give, give me a script and I'll knock the shit out of it. But the whole business aspect of it, I was, I had no idea what I was doing, certainly in the coaching industry and also in the acting industry. You know, I had no idea. We also didn't have social media back when I was an actor. I was like, what am I supposed to be doing? Monologues in my bedroom every night? Like, give me a fucking break. <laughs> like, but, um, yeah, yeah. What has been, what do you think was like the biggest learning curve in those first, in that first year or two or those first few years around kind of throwing yourself into it and being like, I know how to do the thing I'm doing, but the rest of it is, ah. Yeah. Um, niching and messaging and actually listening to, um, myself and my really what I wanted to do. It's really interesting. You've known me a long time through all of this and you've seen me go through different niches and like sort of weaving through a few different niches. And I have come back to essentially where I started. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes it's frustrating because I'm like, damn it, I wasted a few years there. Um, but I think that was a journey that I needed to take. Um, so that, I think that's been the hardest part is really trusting myself and what I wanted to say in the world and who I wanted to say it to and making sure that I, um, let's see, it's, it's, and yeah, and it's, it's the, it's the, it's the messaging. How am I getting it out into the world? How it's not the coaching. Coaching is not the hard part, right? For me. Um, coaching has never been the hard part. The hard part is really trusting my voice, really trusting my instincts and what I want to say and who I want to say it to. Um, and even as a coach now, you know, I kept sort of going, I, I'm running this program right now. Um, and it's, it's going like gangbusters because I'm finally like throwing all the rules away and I'm telling them exactly what I want to say. And it's kind of blowing their minds. And I'm like, oh, it's not the coachy stuff right? It's not the, it's the other stuff. It's all the educational pieces. And I'm not sure if this is making sense, but um, I feel like, yeah, it's really trusting my gut, trusting my instincts, trusting my voice, um, that it's powerful, that it matters. And, and trusting that my, that, that, and, and, and knowing how to, how to sort of get my message out into the world, really in my own voice. I feel like also what you're touching on is being able to to grow yourself and your training and your craft, like whatever that is, yeah. 
and take what works for you and give yourself the permission to like break those rules and kind of rebuild the version that feels that feels unique and like most aligned for you. And also is it actually in the best service of your clients? It's like being able to say, I learned this about coaching and I learned this about coaching and I learned this about business and I learned this about teaching and program structure and transformation and all the things. And like, that's all great. And like, it's going to serve me and I'm going to take it and like make a new recipe out of it. That is the best, actually the best fit for my clients, which is really beautiful. Yeah. That's what, you know, it's, and it's the same thing that we learn as actors, right? That you go into rehearsal and you work on it and you get technique and you learn, you know, all the different acting styles and techniques and blah, 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 blah. And you learn this and you learn that. And then you get on stage and you throw it all the fuck away and you trust it. Right. And that's, I think where I'm at. I think that I've finally crested into that place as a coach where I'm throwing it all away and just trusting that I own it and that I know it. Right. Because as with, as with acting, right. You can't act from your head. You can't act with all the things that you know. I mean, you can, but you're not going to be good at it, right? Because nobody, you're not going to move anybody. You're actually not going to touch people and transform them in the theater or on screen or whatever if you're doing it from your head. And as a coach, I'm finally getting to that point in my work as a coach as well that I'm not going to transform people's lives if, it's, if I'm using these cookie cutter exercises and, you know, um, and talking about shit. Yeah. I love that. Mm. Um, so f- like circling back to the money piece and like actor struggling ish, feeling like you didn't really, you weren't having the work that you needed to feel like you could confidently support yourself Yeah. Um, as a single mom. Mm-hmm. Did transitioning into coaching fix that? Oh God, no. <laughs> I mean, it is now. <laughs> But it wasn't then. Um, it took a long time. You know, building a coaching business, I, you know, I, 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 think it's, I think it's hard. I think it takes a long time to get to, to trust yourself. To, you know, I think that these, a lot of these instant success stories are, can be dangerous because we have an expectation that that's what it's going to be like. And, I mean, I have all sorts of feelings about that and comparing, you know, B2B businesses to B2C to, to, to B2B. Um, business to consumer versus business to business for those who don't know what that is. And, you know, so there's a lot of, I think there's a lot there and there's a lot to learn. So um, yeah, it took a, it took, uh, it's taken a long time and, and some of it is just logistics and where I'm at and that I have a really strong message and I have a really strong um, voice and all of that. And another part is that my money started to shift when I started to um, shift how I was working with money. Um, And we talk about money mindset and there's always like, you know, books and exercises and courses and all that shit. And I did not uh, spend a dime on money mindset courses or anything like that. I just started tracking my money every single day and like really giving it attention actually giving my money attention, writing down every single thing I spend. Um, And it started to like magically kind of shift. Um, I know that um, Denise Duffield Thomas has you do that. She, She has you write down everything that comes in. Right. But it's, I think it's important also to, to do both and to just give it, give the attention and give it the love and treat it with respect. I also do not, um, I no longer, 
uh, incur any debt. I no longer use credit cards. I have no credit cards in my wallet. Um, and, you know, some people are like, that's crazy. But for me, it was a very slippery slope. It was very dangerous. And, but what it, what it was signifying was a lack of respect and a lack of trust that money was going to come to me. Um, and it was a lack of respect for money and my own finances and my own financial stability and security. And so when I was able to do that, everything just, it was, it was a 180. And it happened to coincide also with me getting really clear on my messaging, with my podcast getting more popular, with like, so I think a lot of things happen at the same time, but I can't discount the, um, my sort of spiritual connection to money shifting as well. When you call it a spiritual connection to money, can you just, can you pull that apart for us a little bit? Like how is money spiritual for you? I'm not sure that I can. I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to That's okay. You can mangle it. Because also, by the way, I just want to say like, I am nowhere near, like I am just at the beginning of my spiritual relationship with money. So I can't like, I'm like, you know, not an expert. I am not an expert in this at all. Well, I'm not asking you for your expert opinion. I'm asking yeah. you for your like personal, yeah. you know, your personal feelings about it. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that there's, you know, there's a level of um, trusting that I'm going to be taken care of. Right. And, um, and trusting that I, that like I have a higher power around money. Um, and, you know, I think that for me, like using a credit card was a sign that I didn't trust that there was any, you know, and, and putting myself into debt and carrying debt, which is a weight. It is, it is such a, a just such a fucking burden to bear um, when you're, when you're struggling financially. Like it's one thing if you like put things on a credit card, you pay it off every month and like, you know, you're reaping the rewards and the benefits of, of the cards. That's great. That's fine. I'm not judging that, but um, I think that we have a, a bit of a toxic credit culture. Um, you know, banks really love us to get into heavily amounts of debt. And I just, there's a lot culturally that I feel about that. But, um, but from a spiritual perspective, I think that it was, it's trust. It's knowing that I'm going to be taken care of. It is, it's the attention for me. It's like the attention to it. Like I didn't open, my, I went for years without opening my mail, never like paying bills on time, just being like really scattershot about the whole thing. Like it didn't matter. Like essentially I was, <laughs> our, Amy said this to me, um, our friend Amy Smith said this, she's like, I mean, she's like, I've been in an abusive relationship with money for most of my life. And I was like, holy shit, that's exactly right. And I'm the abuser. I'm the abuser. I'm like, fuck you, get away from me right? I get it and I get rid of it as fast as I possibly can. Or uh, so, so for me to transform my relationship with money is, was for me to be in a loving, nurturing relationship with money rather than being an abuser around money or towards money, right? So, you know, hating my bills and not opening them and like just this, this sort of like, just this loathing of everything to do with money, right? Except for when it came to me. But then when it came to me, I had to get rid of it as quickly as possible because I didn't deserve it, right? And so to be in a place where I am now the loving nurturer, like it, it kind of wants to come to me and it kind of wants to hang around, mm -hmm. you know? And even if that's like in simple ways of just being gifted things or, you know, people offering to 
I don't know. I mean, whatever it is, right? Like I just got invited to a wedding in Spain in February. And I was like, I mean, that's nice, but it's not in the budget, right? And then I looked at the tickets because it's February and it was like $400. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. Maybe I can go to Spain. And then I was talking to my mom about it and she was like, I'm paying for you to go to Spain. She's like, it's $400 I'm paying. She's like, it's not a question. You have to go. Because it's my best friends from elementary school. Like it's, you know. And I was like, oh my God, right? So, you know, thank you. Like the gratitude, right? Gratitude around money is really important. It's really important for me every single time it comes in. Even if it's a residual check for 36 cents, I always say a prayer of gratitude. Even if it's 36 cents, like, thank you so much. Thank you for this money. Thank you for this gift, you know? Yeah. When you point out the like paying attention, you know, it is that it's like attention and appreciation, right? It's attention and appreciation. It's, it really is like having that acknowledgement, you know, that it's not just like, you know, that it's showing up because I think that what that does is it helps us kind of anchor into the expectation that it will, you know, and that the evidence that it's showing up and then your brain, it like rewires your brain to have a different emotional relationship with your finances where you don't have to avoid things and you can look at it differently, treat it differently and and have it treat you differently. Right. Yeah. 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 Totally. Totally. Yeah. And it's really profound. It's actually really profound. And it's weird because I've tried to do this over the years in different forms and different ways. And it was just, there's something that shifted in the last like few months, like five, four or five months ago that just, and I don't know what the difference was. Um, but yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it was the debting part, actually, to be honest. I do think that it was not incurring debt. I think that I was trying to change my relationship around with, with money without changing my actions around money before. And now I stopped, I, I, I changed my actions completely. And I think the two in concert are what have made the difference. Yeah, I find it interesting. I made a note of that when you were talking about like your mom being great with money and that you're when you say she is, you're like, she doesn't incur debt. Um, and I find that interesting because I think that there are there is something that can be crippling and terrible about debt, but there is also debt that isn't necessarily like negative debt or bad debt. 100%. Particularly when we're talking about business. Yeah. Um, yes. Like debt can be, it can be help you. There are ways that debt can be good for you from like a, you know, profit and loss tax, like all, there's just ways to use it in a, in a positive way. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so I, I find it interesting and it makes me like my biggest question, it doesn't have to be related to debt, but around this is, you know, thinking about money in the context of business, what do you think has been like the biggest lesson you've learned since you've ventured into having your, being your own business and having your own business? about money as it as it pertains to my business that's a great question i don't even know i don't even know what is the biggest lesson that i've learned um i think you have to ask me in a year (laughs) i think um i think it's again it's about paying attention and taking the actions right like if i for me in my business right now well 
So so this like gets into the the charge what you're worth conversation, actually, which is which I don't like. Like, I don't like that's a sticky one. It is. Right. Um, And I and I do. I think that it's. Oh, God, Jamie, I don't know. This is a really hard question to answer because I think there's so many different ways that I can go with it. And I also again, I don't feel like I'm at all like you know, processed in this area as much as like that I would have an answer like this. But I do think that, you know, there is a problem. There's the charge what you're worth versus charge what your people will actually pay. Um, And, you know, just giving value and transformation, right? And I think that what I, one of the things that I've learned is that when you give value and transformation, people are far more willing to pay for it. Um, you know, I'm running a, I'm running a class right now. It's the beta, it's the beta version of this class. And I still charge them like $350. It's a, it's a beta run. Like, you know, I didn't really know what I was doing, but hi, I'm a, I'm an expert. Like I'm, you know, <laughs> and nor, like in the past I would be like, well, it's beta. So it's free. And it's like, no, 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 no. You know, these girls have skin in the game. And, um, I don't know. I don't know. Ask me another one. <laughs> What's your biggest lesson, Jamie? What's the biggest thing you've learned about money since being in business? You know, I came into business with the belief that I could create money whenever I needed it. So it's not, I don't, a lot of people have to learn that a different way. I think that for me, it has been not just like believing that in a, in a, in an unintegrated way to, you know, I believe it in my body. Um, because it, it continues to show up. And I think that the more you're in business, the more years you're in business, you start to trust that more because you just have more years of evidence. I think that when you start, it's really scary when you start asking for money or being a freelancer or service provider um, and like charging for something you're responsible for delivering. Um, I also, it's, it's scary. There's a lot of stuff that comes up around that. And part of it is like, is it okay that I'm charging? Will people pay me? Will they yeah. keep paying me? Yeah. Um, I had, I had already had a lot of beliefs that like people loved to pay me. Like I, as a bartender for 10 years, I like people would tip me lots of money and I'd be like, people like to give me money. It's cool. Um, so I, I think that I personally came into business with like a foundation of a lot of different beliefs that served me. But I will say that like that trust that like, it's there for you. You have to be open to receiving it. You have to be ready to receive it. You have to allow yourself to receive it. Um, because the more you, you are in a, an avoidance relationship with money, the more you're repelling, you know, Uh you're doing the opposite of like magnetizing it to you. So yeah, I would always trust. you're, You're like a unicorn when it comes to money mindset stuff. Like every time we have a conversation about this, I'm always like, how do I inject that into my DNA? Like, how did you get that? Because <laughs> I'm like, because that is so foreign to me, right? And that is partly because of the way I was raised. I mean, I was raised by a, a single mom in New York City in the 1970s who was an actor. And her money mindset was that there is never enough. Um, she said to me probably 30 times a day, well, we can't afford that. We can't afford that. We can't afford that. Um, And she scrimped and saved every penny. She never went into debt. Like she was so good. My mom was crazy good with money, but her mindset around it was insane. And I'm actually working really hard with her right now to shift it because what ended up happening is that she actually had kind of a windfall. 
um, she had a bit of a, she's got an amazing New York City real estate story. And she had this windfall. And my mother is now like, she has money for the first time in her life. And she's so scared to spend it. She's like, well, and it's, it finally took friends of hers. She also went to the London School of Economics, right? So she, she's really, she's smart with money, right? But she, she's all these economist friends who are finally like, okay, show me the, show me your financials. Cause she's always like, well, I can't possibly, and I can't go do that. And I can't travel and I can't, you know, I can't afford it. I can't afford it. I can't afford it was her recurring theme. Finally, a friend of hers looked at her financials and was like, you're rich. What's your, what are you talking about? Go travel. And she was like, well, I have to save it for Kate. She'll have, she'll have nothing left. And I'm like, go travel, <laughs> like do things. And now it's a running joke in our house where like we were, she takes us now on vacations and she pays for me to go to Spain. And she's like, and she said, you know, she said to me, uh, we were on, we were up a uh, wine tasting over the summer in August. And she was like, the whole trip, the recurring theme was, I know mom, it's okay. Cause you're rich. And she was like, I know <laughs> and she just thinks it's like the funniest thing that she's because it's such, it's such a weird thing for her. And the, you know, the way that it happened was amazing and she deserved it. Like it's a New York real estate story that happened to the right person. And, um, you know, but I, but she still catches herself where she's like, well, I can't. And I'm like, yes, you can mother. Yes, you can. And she's like, oh, you're right, I can. <laughs> but I, so I was raised with that mindset, though. I was raised with that mindset. And I think you were raised with a very different mindset. And I think that it's, you know, whatever, it's that nature versus nurture stuff that there's like something that was really deeply embedded into my psyche that I, I have to work so hard to counteract and to counterbalance. And when I'm, when I'm with you and we're having these conversations, I'm so aware of how, how that, how different that is and how different it was. Um, and I'm really careful about it. Like in the past, in the, you know, the few years that were really hard for me financially, I was really careful to, cause I have a 13 year old and I knew I had to be really careful about the messaging that I was sending about, you know, we can't afford it rather than like, or just say like, it's not in the budget for this month as opposed to like, I have no money or I can't afford it. Or like, I just didn't want that message um, to be in his psyche, but I do want him to be smart and responsible. So I talked to him about budgeting and he was like, well, don't you have a credit card? And I'm like, I do, but that's not what it's for. You know, here's how credit cards work. Right. So having these, these conversations as a mom now to make sure that I sort of change that story. And I think we can, we can change our money stories in one generation. Um, we just have to be aware of what they are. Right. I love that you're talking about it from the perspective of a parent also, because it makes me think um, about your clients too. And I feel like money is probably like, it's probably such a thing for your clients and stuff that they're navigating and what they're going through. So I'm curious, you know, is that something that you ever navigate with them? And does that come up? And if so, like, how do you handle that or work with them on that? Yeah. So I don't do the financial piece because financial, there are people who are certified divorce financial planners that that's their job. Right. And divorce, like money and divorce is a huge thing. And I'm totally not qualified to talk about it from that perspective, but I do help my clients. I mean, I do get the basics and because I know the laws, I know like, okay, well, you know, go onto this website and put in his income, your income, and the percentage of custody that you're anticipating, and you'll get a spit out of what's 
probably you're going to get for child support. You know, um, I work with stay-at-home moms and that is a huge thing because if they are not, um, you know, if their husbands don't have a ton of money, they're going to have to, they're going to have to get into business or get a job. Right. So I do help. I also, I also help people um, build their businesses like newbies build businesses. So I do a lot of business coaching on the side as well with that for them to help them start their businesses. Although I don't necessarily recommend if you're getting out of a, of a marriage to start a business is with no, with no income coming It's Like that's just probably not the smartest idea. Um, it just, it just takes too long, I think to get things rolling or it can. Um, so I do deal with the financial piece, but I don't, uh, but not like professionally, like I tell them where to look and I tell them what they need to know, the basics of what they need to know. Um, I will have clients track their money and do what I do where they write down everything they spend for three months and, you know, not, not with any kind of, um, holding back or not to, um, judge it or anything, but just to get a lay of the land of like exactly what you're spending so that when you get a settlement amount, you can see whether the life that you're living now is livable within um, those means or whether you're going to have to either get a job or start to pull back and you'll be able to see where you're tracking money. Um, So I look, I do it from that perspective. Something that we touched on earlier that I just want to loop back around to is, um, you know, we talked about pricing and like starting a business and it made me think about how, I think that there's sometimes when people like love what they do or it feels easy for them or they're really good at it, or it's something that they would consider like a craft, they can get really insecure about it or like extra stressy when they're getting paid for it. It's like something about the charge around like, but is it okay if I receive money for that? Like I'm just doing this or like, but that's fun for me. Like I shouldn't get paid for it or like those beliefs. And then sometimes like the stress level of like, oh, but they're paying me for this. So like, that means like, you know, I, am I good enough? Like, am I worthy of that? Am I going to deliver work that's good enough for that price point? Um, And I think that that could show up like for artists, for actors, for coaches, for like people who are, who are their business, you know, in that way. So I'm curious if that's something that you feel you've ever struggled with or, um, you know, whether you, when it was acting or whether it's in business now, you know, if there's any, if that is something that like, you kind of relate to? And if so, you know, any words of advice around that? Yeah, I I, absolutely. I had this conversation with my son the other day. I can't remember the context. I think it was like, he was like, oh, he said something. He's, he plays guitar and he's really good. Um, like weirdly good. Like my ex and I are like, whoa, this is weird. And, um, like, where did he get this? And he was like, but mom, guitar's easy. Like, am I really good at it? Cause like, it's really easy. And I was like, honey, guitar is not easy. <laughs> I was like, if you think guitar is easy, that's because you are really good at it. And so like, we want to lean into that and foster that. Um, and that's, and I absolutely, I often think like, like people know, what I'm always amazed by is how I have to go back to basics. Sometimes the shit that I learned 20 years ago will come out of my mouth in a conversation with a client and it'll blow their minds. And I'm like, really? You didn't know that? Like, cause that to me, right? Cause I'm in personal development. I've been doing this for 20 years. Like I'm like deeply entrenched in this. And so shit will come out of my mouth that I think everyone should know. 
And like, they're fucking thrilled that they just paid me for that. And in my mind, I'm like, oh, I just had this in my back pocket. Like, I don't even know. So, um, so yes, I deal with that a lot. I do like I, when I'm going through my programs and I'm, you know, crafting stuff and I'm like putting things in modules, I always, <laughs> I always cure it. And I talk about this all the time that um, our friend, our, our mutual friend, Kira Sabin, about how we're always trying to make shit more complicated than it needs to be. Or we think that like, we have to reinvent the, you know, the wheel or we got to make our shit like mind blowing. And that we forget that like, no, 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 the basics is mind blowing to a lot of people because they haven't been doing this for 20 years. That's why they're hiring us. And that actually just like keeping it simple is it's good enough. But I always feel like when I'm creating something, I have to make it blow my mind, right? Like I am not the customer here. The customer is someone who has not done this work before, who has not gone through the number of years of training that I've been through, right? Like, yeah. So yes, all the time in answer to that question. (laughs) And I have to pull myself back all the time and be like, "You're, you're, you're good at this. You own this. You've studied this. You know this. People want this. They will pay for it. What advice, I love that mantra, like to give to yourself and to anyone listening, like you've got this, you're good at this, you know what you're doing, you own it, people will pay for it. Yes. Let's make that into a mantra. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So we'll just make that another printable, like the last time you and I had a long conversation about your messaging. Um, (laughs) Totally. I'm curious if there are any actors listening to this episode, is there any advice that you have for them? Oh God, get out. No, (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Do you ever miss acting? I miss theater. I do miss theater because I was raised in theater. That's what I love. It's the creative process that I love. I I couldn't give two shits about television and film. Um, You know, I, I feel like as a, as an, So I was raised in theater. I love the rehearsal process. I love creating a role. I love the family of theater, Um, the give and the take, the creative process, the rehearsal process, and then getting it out in an audience and having their feedback and, you know, the feedback loop that happens on stage, like that I love and that I miss. Um, And, but the advice I would give to actors is to, you know, not fall into that trap of not knowing how to do the business right? We are, if you think about yourself as a product, this is so cliche, right? Think about yourself as a product and how you would market yourself, how you would market a product of you. Um, Because, and I think in this day and age that we have so many more opportunities for actors to do that with Instagram, with, right? I mean, the whole idea of like that you're going to, you're not going to book a job um, that because if someone else has more Instagram followers, like that is so terrifying to me at this point, but that's, that's the reality. So, you know, this is a business. I know you're a great actor. I know you can knock the shit out of a role if you actually get it and have that opportunity, but to trust yourself as an actor, like trust that you've got that down and really focus on the business and the marketing of yourself as a product. And I think that's, goes again. There's like a part of me that that goes against everything I believe as an artist. I'm like, that's gross. But, but I do believe that that will be the difference. Uh, It's just the reality. It's just the reality of the industry today, you know? So, and the way that we market ourselves and the way that we 
um, is to find our own unique authenticity. So give up the, you know, the 7,000 diets that you've been on, you know, the hair extensions, the, like all of the shit and fucking be yourself. And that's, that's what will shine through. And that's what a product is. A product is always different. So I'm not sure if that makes sense, but. It makes perfect sense and it's a beautiful answer. So I have one more question for you uh, before our final, final, before we wrap up. Um, and I want to ask you about what you have going on now too. But this question is, if you were kind of gifted $5 million, just like, um, <laughs> here's your bank account. It's available to you. There's no tax. There's no strings attached. It's just like, here you go. Have fun. What would you, what would you do? Mm. You asked me this question on the beach in Cancun, and I really actually think that there's a page in my bullet journal where I wrote some more things down, but I'm going to, I'm going to reinvent this actually. Um, I think the first thing I would do um, is pay off the debt that I do have <laughs> um, that I'm still carrying. I would buy a house. Um, I would definitely travel because I love to travel. I would hire a team. I would do exactly what I'm doing. I would just do it bigger and better, right? So I would, um, I would hire a VA. I did hire a podcast producer this, uh, like you know, this month. So that's great. But I would hire, I would hire more of a team, because um, I feel like I could funnel things out faster, right? And there's always that balance of like, what can you like, what can you afford? But if you, but if you invested in it, would you, would the return on that investment be greater, right? Um, so I would definitely do that. I would do what I do. I love what I do. Um, I would do it with the freedom, um, with the minds. I would do it with, with like a Jamie Jensen mindset. It's like money's not a problem. <laughs> money's coming to me. It's in the bank. I'm fine. And I love that you asked this question because I remember when we talked about it in Mexico, I was like, you were like, well, what if that, what if you just, that was your mindset now? How would you, how would you, so there was something about like, well, how would, let's, what, what if that was the mindset? Then what would you do? What would you do differently if you just had that mindset? And I was like, oh, you tricky, tricky little bastard. <laughs> Sneaky coach tactics. <laughs> I am like, like, I can't even tell you how hilarious I think it is that you're like the Jamie Johnson mindset. I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's a thing now. <laughs> Well, by the way, own it, girl. That's like one of your things. Like, that's exactly what we're talking about, where you're like, that's not a thing. Um, it's so a thing. <laughs> Market that shit. It's a product. <laughs> Wait, did you finish telling us about your bullet journal things? Oh, God, I don't know. Um, I mean, it would be little things that would support my business, to be perfectly honest. I mean, it would be traveling with my son, for sure. Um, I would love to travel with him like a couple times a year, take him to like fabulous places around the world. Um, his dad doesn't have a travel value around travel and his dad, you know, makes enough money to travel, but he just doesn't have a value around it. So um, my mom and I do totally. And so I would take him to more places and I would run my business, I, but I would run it. I would, or I would run it at an elevated level. Mm -hmm. I really would. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting how sometimes money just like lets us do things faster. <laughs> That's really what I think you know it would I mean? be. I do. I do think that. Absolutely. Yeah. So tell us like what you're working on right now and 
you know, what's next for you and where can people stalk you, find you, learn all the things about you. And of course, guys, all these links will also be in the show notes. Yes. So um, one thing is my podcast, um, the Divorce Survival Guide podcast, and it's really all about stories about divorce and how to do divorce well, but also a lot of like, should you stay or should you go conversations about that. Um, And I am I work one-on-one privately with clients and all of that is on my website, but I'm also um, right now, as I mentioned, I'm beta testing a, my first group program in this niche. I've run group programs before and it's kicking ass. And um, I have to say at first, a lot of people were like, I don't like group work. My private, my problems are really private. They're really personal. And I think they're really unique to me. And what all of these women are finding is that, They all have the same problems. They all have the same stories, similar stories, different stories, but man, they're getting so much out of being in a group together. And I am so excited. So I'm launching it again on, um, in the spring, um, on March 4th, it's going to start. Um, it's like real run, not just the beta one. Um, so, uh, I'm going to, there'll be a landing page where you can sign up to get early notification for that, that Jamie will put in the show notes that I will send her. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that's really, it's the podcast, it's my clients, it's my group program. That's my, that is my world and my son, but you guys don't need to <laughs> participate. We don't need a link. We don't need a link in the show notes to your son. <laughs> Unless you have a YouTube video of him playing so guitar. Good. <laughs> yeah. So funny. Awesome. Yeah. Kate, thank you so much for being um, with me today and for having this open, transparent, vulnerable conversation around acting and business and money. I, I just know that um, a lot of people listening to this are really going to relate and get a lot out of this conversation. So thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me, Jamie. I love you. Love you. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Creatives Making Money. If you liked this episode, do not go anywhere before you subscribe. And remember, after the show, there's an after party. We do a weekly after party on Facebook Live every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. Each week, I'll be jamming there live on special actionable takeaways from that week's episode. Make sure to go to creativesmakingmoney.com slash afterparty to join us and catch the replay of the afterparty if you can't be there live. And if you're looking to connect with more listeners and like-minded creatives, you can. Part of the purpose of this podcast is to create conversation, and my biggest hope is that you continue the convo in our private online Facebook lounge. You can head to creativesmakingmoney.com slash group to join the free group. And as always, you can find all important links and details from this episode in the show notes. For this episode, that's available at creativesmakingmoney.com backslash Kate Anthony. Don't hesitate to head over there now. Check out all the awesome links and everything we talked about today. And as always, create like you mean it. This episode is sponsored by Copy That, my signature course for writing websites that speak volumes and sell, something that every creative making money for sure needs. To learn more about my approach to writing that sells, you can visit thecopythatcourse.com slash free training.